Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, everyone. This is the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Jan Jaffe, and I'm your host. Today, we're discussing holiday blues, and I'm really excited to be joined by a new co-host, Brian Reinthaler. Today's show is entitled, How to Deal with Holiday Blues. I'm rather than... uh, introduce myself because I think most of you know me already. Um, I'm going to skip that today. Uh, In this episode of Think Tank, we're discussing holiday blues. Just what is this? What are the causes? Is it possible to change our mindset? And if so, what are some tools and tactics we can use? We plan to answer those questions and more on our show today. And now, to introduce my, my new special co-host, Brian Reinsoller, please tell our listening audience a little about yourself. Hi there, Jan. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me on today. We've been talking about this for quite a while, and I'm excited to finally join you. Um, I am a, a career coach and consultant for New York City lawyers. Uh, I work with lawyers on everything from job searches to larger career transitions, as well as uh, the ways in which their personal lives interact with their careers and their long-term goals and dreams. I try to help people get clarity around what they really want from their careers and then develop plans to to do that work that they love uh, and to do it the way that they want to do it. Uh, I'm also a husband and dad of two smart, beautiful, strong uh, grade school age girls, and uh, I think um, that experience, uh, along with some of my career background, which you can read uh, on the bio that you so generously posted, um, has given me the perspective and I think, um, you know, life experience uh, to be in a great position to not only coach these lawyers regarding career issues, but also the ways in which parenting and other family stuff um, can implicate uh, the choices they make in their careers. But thanks again for having me, Jan. Oh, thank you, Brian. It is such a treat to have you with us today. <clears throat> and and now I'd like to invite our listeners to call in with any questions or comments. Here we really welcome your participation uh, to the discussion. And the number here is 646-716-9397. Again, that's 646 716 9397. And I see we already have a caller with us. So I'd like to invite our caller. Your number ends in 0664. Uh, I would like to invite you to uh, to join in. Hello, caller? Hello. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, how are you today? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Did you have any questions or comments that you wanted to add to the discussion so far? We haven't even started oh, no. it, but do you... 
I'm, I'm sorry. No, not really. Um, and not really. I just wanted to just uh, you know find out more about um, you know how to get over the holiday blues. So I'm just sitting tight, just to hear um, the conversation. Okay. Very good. Thank you so much. Um, I'm. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, thank you. And happy holidays to you. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, first of all, I live in New York City, and the holiday season here can be a magical time. The department store holiday window displays, the lights, the light shows, the special musical offerings, the street Santas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, New Year's Eve, the shoppers, the Christmas trees, the huge and beautiful Rockefeller and Lincoln Center Christmas trees, the temporary pop-up Christmas shops, the concerts, and all of the parties. Yet for many people, the holiday season is a very difficult time, creating all sorts of stress, melancholy, and even depression. Is it holiday blues or winter doldrums? What is the reason for this big divide amongst people when it comes to how we view this season? So, Brian, what do you think um, could be uh, what this is all about? Well, Jen, I think um, as someone who has experienced both very, very joyful holidays and some of these symptoms that uh, that you've just talked about, um, I, I think it comes down to perspective. And what I mean by that is, the holidays are filled for so many people with very high, very grand expectations, whether it be children waiting for Santa Claus or big family gatherings that, that we tend to look forward to uh, or even um, breaks from work. You know, it may be the one time of year we get a week or two away from the office. And I think that because of these expectations, we invest a lot of emotional energy in the holidays, in preparing for them, in looking forward to them, so that when they get here, sometimes it's either hard for them to live up to those expectations or they're just as wonderful as we hoped, but then they're over so quickly because so much of our energy was put into preparing and expecting and not so much was put into really being there in the moment and enjoying um, the actual days that we have, whether it be with family or friends or loved ones. Um, I think that plays a huge role um, in quite a bit of the, you know, the holiday or seasonal um, symptoms that you talk about, uh, but certainly there are, there are other factors. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> expectations is pretty much a number one. I would agree with you. It's kind of a number one uh, reason for holiday blues because often things just don't live up to our expectations. We see movies, everything is so commercialized, so we feel that if our life does not measure up, um, it's it's just, you know, it, we're somehow we're failing and our life is a failure. We can also, um, I mean, I know children, and you have a couple of them, uh, <laughs> children really have huge expectations, and that creates an awful lot of stress. For, for families and parents, does that not? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think a lot of people tend to think of this challenge in terms of finances, and certainly that can play a role. But um, I think one of the big ways that children's expectations impact the, the broader topic here is children's expectations feed very, very intricately into parents' expectations. 
um, whether it be you know a parent who works very long hours and tends not to be able to spend as much time with his or her children as he or she would like, and so they feel they need to now compensate, whether it's with a, a grand Christmas present or um, spending on a, a lavish vacation or, or whatever it is, but to really not only fulfill those children's expectations, but we're actually trying as parents often to exceed them. One of the cool things about the holidays and gift giving is, you know, it's great for the kids to get something that they want, but if we can surprise them, if we can kind of blow them away, we feel like that's going to be the, mm. the greatest experience of all. And again, it, it's it's a setting it's setting of an expectation that is really really hard to attain. Um, I think. Anyone who's been a parent for a few years going through, for example, just I'll use Christmas because it was my example growing up, uh, can remember a time when a child has been just overwhelmed by the presence and the unwrapping and they get to the end of it and they say, is that it? <laughs> or <laughs> there's almost a, a palpable uh, disappointment even though they've just gotten seemingly everything that they wanted. Uh, and, and I think bringing it back around, I think um, – one of the things, uh, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit further, one of the things that we can do in in kind of warding off some of these holiday blues is to be really thoughtful about what we want that experience to look like in terms of the interactions we have with each other, with family, with friends, et cetera. How, how big of a role do the gifts themselves play versus the emotional connections that we make and maintain and, and grow uh, as we um, as we gather in the holidays. Mm, excellent, excellent point. Yes, you know. Also, for um, I've 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 run into so many people, or I know so many people, for whom the holidays are a, a time of sadness because they've lost a loved one. Um, I have several friends, or you and I both have a friend who is going through a tough time right now, so I'd imagine holidays are a little challenging uh, for that family. And, um, you know, because they can't celebrate the way they normally would. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, anybody that's um, that's lost uh, either a loved one in any way, whether through death or a pet, I know for me, I lost my beloved little Duncan um, two years ago now in December, and I know that sounds crazy, but that was uh, to be, it's such a sad loss for me that the beginning of December always brings that up for me. Um, And, you know, so either a a beloved pet or a a family member, or when, you know, people have also uh, perhaps broken up, unfortunately, it seems to be the end of the year is when a lot of people end their relationships because they have been, you know, it's kind of a goal that they have set because a lot of people at the end of the year reevaluate their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, so they want to make some changes. And, you know, sometimes so there's the loss of that. Or if they have, you know, they're saying, I'm not with anyone. Perhaps they don't have a relationship. So they're looking at, um, you know, what, oh, my gosh, I have no one to spend the holidays with, or maybe their family's not here, so I have no one to spend the holidays with, or I have no, I don't have anything special to do for New Year's Eve. So this can actually, for some people, it can create, and again, it, it ties into expectations, um, it can create sadness and even depression in some people. And there's also... Um, 
as has been discussed, as I mentioned yesterday when I did a, a pre-show for this show, um, the, there, there's uh, the shorter days, the lack of light. And in fact, there's that, um, that, that whole phenomena, if you want to call it that, called seasonal affective disorder or SAD, SAD, which I think is, is an interesting <laughs> coincidence. Uh, that you know you're sad and it's seasonal affective disorder, so it's SAD. Um, but it is a definite, uh, uh, what would you call that, a syndrome. And um, one way of treating that is with a light box. I believe they're called. You can you can even get them on Amazon. They range all the way from about thirty something dollars to several hundred dollars, and um, they are quite effective. At for for many people, not for all people, but they're quite effective for many people um, at alleviating the symptoms of SAD and winter doldrums and even uh, some sleep disorders if used in the early morning. Um, and uh, for sleep disorders and for SAD, people use it um, throughout the day in small increments, either five anywhere from five to twenty minutes. So people just uh, use it in different ways and find what works for them. Um, but some people also have to, you know, find that they, they actually need antidepressant medication in the winter. Uh, psychiatrists and psychologists find that they have a lot more, there is a lot more demand on their services in the in the winter months and around the holidays. So this is absolutely um, a real of sadness for many people. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Brian. Yeah, well, well I, I think it's important that you brought up, and there's two two key points. Um, the the issue that you mentioned at the outset regarding um, handling loss around the holidays, um, obviously in some ways it's the flip side, but as you said, it's still about expectations, whether they be expectations mm-hmm. based on our past experience with loved ones or a significant other or pet that are now going to be different. Um, Even the anxiety, the dread, as you might put it, of the holiday without that special someone um, can be enough to really drag us down, Um, whether it be just a a decline in mood or, as you say, you know, a a clinical depression even. Um, The other point regarding the seasonal affective disorder, um, I think it doesn't take anyone who's lived anywhere in uh, let's just say North America, northern North America, um, more than a couple of years to recognize the the differences in how they feel and the energy levels in different seasons. Um, when we are dealing with the shorter days, less sunlight, um, you know, shorter periods of, of daytime, as well as all of the you know seasonal maladies, the sick and the, the colds and the flus and whatnot, mm. there is a real physical change that that everyone will experience. Um, and whether you're treating that, like you said, with a, with a, a light box, which can be fantastic, a lot of people report um, real benefits from that, uh, or just making a point to um, changing your sleep cycle to to kind of follow the rhythm of the you know the sunrise and sunset each day. There's a lot of things you can do to uh, both with with technology and naturally to kind of get your body back on the cycle of the place where you're living. 
Um, it's not easy in the winter time, and uh, supplementing with all the different technological possibilities, as well as um, certain you know, nutritional supplements, is certainly uh, an option. Um, but I think it's really important to recognize why this happens. Um, this is a time of year that, if you go back in human evolutionary history, um, that a, a decline in mood and a decline in energy was quite useful for survival. Uh, there was probably a lot less food. Um, there was probably not a lot of opportunity to, to build ourselves up uh, from a nutritional perspective or even perhaps even exercise if it was very, very cold outside. And so it was quite useful to have lower energy and lower mood and to sleep more and to do all these things. And so I think it's important not only to try to treat and think about ways we might treat what we call seasonal affective disorder, but also recognize that it's a natural cycle for people who live in this part of the world, this part of the hemisphere, I guess. Um, and and not, just, not just think about, okay, how can I fix this? But first to say, what is this all about? And knowing that, what makes the most sense to kind of handling it and dealing with it in the most, um, in the healthiest way possible. Absolutely. And, you know, um, the other thing is, you know, you had mentioned finances. And it it really is a serious issue because for a lot of people, I know for me, for example, um, it's affecting me this year more than usual because first of all, we have fourteen people. I live in a in a an apartment building, and um, it's a big building with a lot of tenants and and a lot of residents, and we have fourteen. Um, porters and doormen and and handymen and and um, supers and and managers and I mean there's so many people we have to tip and I had a mishap just a few days ago and I fractured my foot and uh, it's going to be weeks before I can work and um, even be on my foot so my finances are a bit stressed and strained right now so you know, it's going to be a while before I can give out my t- my tips, and tips are quite. Uh, it's a, it's a, a large amount of money in a building like this. Uh, anybody who lives yeah. in the city knows this, uh, especially in my <laughs> building. Um, but there's also, you know, not only is there the stress of trying to come up with the money, there is also, you know, a lot of people find that the January, you've got January blues. Because and that's still kind of the tail end of the holiday blues. It's kind of the hangover, shall we say? Because um, we have the the credit card statements and the credit card bills of everything that we've done, all the shopping, and the fact that there is nothing generally to look forward to in January, uh, except winter. If you live in, a, especially if you live in a northern climate, and the short days and the bills and no holidays you know you don't have anything really until february there's not much in february but there there is valentine's day which is a whole other issue that can cause uh sadness and melancholy for people too because it also seems to shine a light shall we say on what's going on in your life on in your um um in your personal relationships so but that's a whole other show <laughs> We'll deal with that next month. <laughs> but, um, but yes, the January, you know, the January doldrums as well. And so, and that is often, you know, when we deal with the financial, uh, perhaps excesses of the holiday season. So that's Absolutely. another 
right? And then there's also what you might call happiness stress, you know, which is although even though things can be enjoyable, you know, you, we can be going out and going to parties. Um, they can also be emotionally and physically stressful, such as overeating, over-drinking, over-partying, um, trying to get everything done uh, by the end of the year, even the workplace Absolutely. stress, right? So that in January, we are now dealing with, oh, my gosh, you know, it's it's like a huge physical and emotional hangover because we're dealing with a body that we may have abused a little bit and our finances, which we've abused, and um, and and also, at least hopefully, our careers. We have, you know, kind of tied up the loose ends. But for some of us, we are also facing um, a job change. We're evaluating how our year has gone, sometimes looking at everything that we've accomplished or not accomplished during the year, in, including in our um, uh, careers or our businesses. So we're winding no down the year as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I wanted to just intrude, if I might, for a moment, Jen, because Please, the, the, yes. the, three things that, the three things that you mentioned, even before you got to the, the, the job transitions that often come around uh, at this time of year, beginning of a new year, which I, I'd love to address um, if we have the time, uh, but, but kind of building off of what we've been talking about before, the fact that you called it the January doldrums, the January hangover, I think is really apt um, for all the reasons that you mentioned, right? I mean, certainly we can, we can all uh, identify somewhat with the, the temptation, if, if not the, the actual uh, the doing of the, of the overspending around the holidays, whether it be on gifts for family and friends and children, et cetera, on parties and travels and um, little uh, treats for ourselves. And then, of course, what leads into whether it's over-drinking at holiday parties, um, departure from a healthy way of eating or lifestyle that you've begun to establish in your life, that you've started to achieve some real benefits of. And you say, look, it's the holidays. I'm not going to be too hard on myself. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to really indulge. Mm -hmm. And and then January will come around and I'll, I'll get back on track or I'll have a New Year's resolution. And I think while there's something really important uh, and healthy about indulging yourself and enjoying yourself around the holidays and not living a life of restriction, um, I think looking at a holiday or a holiday season as a period of time during which, you know, the, the rules that have allowed us to be healthy and strong and energetic no longer apply, it's a really, it's a really dangerous um, way to think about mm. it, but it's a very, very common way to think about it. I, I, I'm a victim of this myself. Um, I, can, I can point <laughs> to just this, this past week um, of, you know, gatherings with friends and a couple of late nights out and whatnot has completely uh, shifted my energy downward in just in terms of a physical side of things. So January, coming out of a period of what may be one week, what may be a month of indulgence and just kind of letting things go, uh, has a real physical effect. And we talked about the way that the, the seasons and the shorter days and the cold weather affect us physically. Well, we're kind of lumping this on top of it as well um, when we go through the holiday season. And as you mentioned, the finances are just another aspect. I think it's we could use the, the hangover metaphor there as well. Um, but, but in any event, c- kind of trying to come out of a period of time where Rules about spending don't apply. Rules about what we ought to eat don't apply. Rules about how much we ought to drink don't apply. Um, 
it's it's a challenge not only in the physical effects, but in relearning uh, the the good habits that we may have had before and unlearning what is ultimately a new habit that we've built up during the holiday season. Oh, you put it so well. Absolutely. And one more thing I just want to bring up before we get to, you know, the next topic is um, for some fam- some people, their families can cause enormous stress. Getting the families together, whether it's, you know, they have to decide which family it is, if it's, you know, married couple or, or blended families, there's even more families to deal with. But I have a, I have a friend who... Um, you know, it was so stressful every year, the relatives who did not get along, that actually actual fist fights would break out. And um, oh so talk about stress. <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's just having to be around na- uh, relatives, I mean, or even neighbors, that maybe, you know, you have to spend time with that you don't necessarily enjoy, but the holidays are times that... Um, one needs to do that. Sometimes the only time you see certain relatives or certain people are at funerals, but, you know, that's not a time that everybody is, is jumping around and, and socializing in that way. When it's when you're breaking bread with people that you don't enjoy, um, it can be a bit stressful. So I don't know. No um, question. I think that applies, Jen, whether you're talking about people that you'd rather not spend time with or people that – you don't get to spend time with that often, and so therefore you look forward to it. But once you get beyond a certain amount of time uh, with that group or with a particular, the you know, uh, you know, excitable uh, aunt or uncle or or you know, <laughs> in-law or whatever you, have. I mean, it, it, everyone's got something that they that kind of rubs them the wrong way after so much time. Um, again, the expectations and the looking forward to the, that time together but without really being mindful as to what what you want to bring to that gathering. Um, I mm-hmm. think it leads to, again, over-expectations, and then when the reality doesn't quite measure up and when we're getting a little frustrated, a little tired, maybe we've had a, too many drinks, whatever it is, um, it's very easy to, um, to kind of swing back the other way from a this very high of anticipation and looking forward to either whether it's disappointment or agitation or anxiety um, in a setting that is no longer quite what we'd like it to be. Absolutely. And you you put, again, you put it so well. And it really does. So much of this uh, has as its seed expectations. So um, you are so right, Brian. You know, here on the Life Coach Radio Networks, we are proud to have as our sponsor audible.com. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet, offering customers a new way to enhance and enrich their lives every day. Audible is the preeminent provider of spoken word audio products that include more than 100,000 audio programs from more than 1,800 content providers. Receive a free audiobook with your 30-day trial when you sign up with Audible today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Now here's an Audible book related to today's topic, The Winter Depression Cure, How to Overcome Seasonal Affective Disorder and Winter Blues for Life. And this is written by V. Newt, N-O-O-T. 
So don't forget to sign up for a one-month free trial to get your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. Audible.com, making listening a tool for life. And now back to our show. Okay, so now we have a better understanding of what constitutes holiday blues and winter doldrums. What are some tip tools, tactics, and tactics that we can employ to not only lessen holiday stress, but also create a better sense of well-being and even a sense of holiday joy? So, Brian, I'm going to throw it to you. Oh, well, that's a, well, that's a big challenge, Shan. Um, I think there are, uh, there are a number of things we can do. Um, you know, one that I hinted at at the outset um, is, is going to be speaking a little bit more to parents, but I think, um, I think it can apply to how we deal with any holiday gift-giving situation, uh, and that is to say that less is almost always more. Um, whether uh, you have a year where you decide to replace gifts with experiences. So rather than giving a, uh, a physical um, uh, toy or another sweater or another set of uh, dresses and shoes and, um, you know, games uh, that, that often, again, can overwhelm the experience of really enjoying the holidays with each other, especially for children, um, why not replace that thing that you were going to give them with tickets to a show that you can take your friend or your loved one to or uh, a gift certificate to go out to dinner together or with a group of people that you love spending time with. Um, There's so many different possibilities here, but I love the idea of replacing uh, thing gifts or material gifts with experience gifts. Um, It takes Mm. up a lot less space in the room, so there's more room for the the holiday uh, (laughs) decorations and cookies and uh, treats. Uh, but also there's more space for us to actually just spend time with one another, to have something else to look forward to now after the holidays as opposed to that kind of letdown when the gift-giving is over. And, there's, you know, as, as the children might say, you know, is that all? Um, no, it's not all. We're, you know, in two weeks or next week or tomorrow we're going to go see a show or in January or February at the, 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 the depths of the winter doldrums we're going to have this really wonderful experience together. Won't that be great? Mm. Um, I I think it serves so many purposes to try to shift some of our gift giving um, from, uh, like I said, from material things to experiences that we can either share with the person we're giving the gift to or that they can share with someone else. In a way, you're kind of letting them pass it along or or, uh, pay it forward, as they say. Oh, that's wonderful. That's true. I mean, like you said, the experiences rather than just gifts um, or the experiences as gifts uh, rather than material gifts. And I think that's a great, you know, a great point you make in that, you know, so that if it's something coming up, so in that January doldrum hangover period when, you know, you think, oh, God, now there's nothing. Uh, we, we have that just as a performer. I mean, that's so common. You're working towards a performance, working towards a performance, and afterwards is that letdown. It's, okay, now what? You know, there's nothing, all the excitement, everything that you're looking forward to. Again, getting back to expectations, it's gone. So in this sense, the gift is more than just the gift of, you know, for Christmas. It's also the gift of 
having something to look forward to in January. So that is that is tremendous. Another way um, of getting through any period, as you know, Brian, is um, practicing gratitude and um, right and and looking not only practicing gratitude. And you and I both know, as trained coaches, we both know of the different ways in which we can do that. There's there's first of all a gratitude journal, and there's also um, there's the, the three top things exercise where during the day or even just every day, once a day, you can either do it at the end of the day, you could do it at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, or you can continue to update it. Put down the three top things that you know, so that you know, if even if it's a bad day, you can say, I had a, a really wonderful hot shower this morning, or I had a great breakfast, or you know, the sun is shining, or or something like that, you know, and, um, you know, obviously it could be something much greater than that, but even when things are going poorly, you can do something like that. There's also um, a thing, something called, uh, referred to as a celebration jar. It could also be called, I don't know, there must be other names for it, but every day you write down on a little piece of paper something that happened that day something obviously good because you don't you don't want to celebrate the negative things but something good or something that you accomplished that day and then at the end of the year you can look back and see and look at all of your you know all the good things that happened that year um and also just yeah and i uh, you know just also as the you know as the year uh, winds down, you can go back and say, okay, especially if you're going through a hard time, maybe these, this is this is what I'm seeing, but it's like changing, putting on a different pair of glasses and saying, okay, what good things, what did I accomplish this year? And sometimes we have to reach out to a friend to help us view things from a different, you know, from with a different filter. So, um, you know, that's another way of reframing sometimes and seeing what we did accomplish rather than just seeing what we didn't accomplish. Because sometimes we set our own expectations for ourselves, getting back to that which you so, you know, brilliantly brought up right in the beginning, Brian. Just changing our expectations. We've maybe set the bar so high for ourselves that we are destined to not reach it. And so we feel, you know, down, we feel depressed, we feel sad, we feel like failures, or we feel like every everything in our life is a failure, everyone in our life is a failure, because perhaps we may have set the bar a little too high, or maybe just a little too high for this past year. So to um, to change our expectations and say, okay, what did we accomplish what good happened and sometimes we will see things that we hadn't even been aware of don't you find that's true brian no question jan and i think the the tools and, and exercises that you're mentioning here and, and certainly there are there are others um that, that can be used very very effectively um i hate the phrase manage expectations in this context but but to to, to deal with the danger of um, inflated or unrealistic expectations. Um, it's very hard to to look forward with a unrealistic, uh, an unrealistic vision when you're so focused on what is great about your life, about your day, about your family, about your work, about your friends, 
right now. Um, mm. and, and it's 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 something that you know you'll hear people talk about mindfulness or living in the present or living in the now. Um, these are all just different ways of getting at the idea that you're talking about, which is to notice what's going on in the build-up to the holidays, for example, in this period of you know November and December and Thanksgiving and uh, Hanukkah and leading into Christmas and Kwanzaa and all the other things that people are looking forward to, um, rather than generating and, and focusing and investing 90% of our energy in this one day, for example, December 25th, to say, isn't it great, the holiday season, isn't it wonderful to have, as you mentioned at the open of the show, you know, the pop-up shops with the, you know, the twinkling lights and, and the Christmas music or the, um, the gatherings with friends to, to really appreciate that each of those moments is the holiday itself as opposed to a build-up to something that's supposed to be some grand finale of it all. Um, and, and the exercise that you mentioned, you know, whether it's writing down three things that were great today, that we're grateful for today, uh, or uh, one that I would love to use uh, with my children now that you've mentioned it, the celebration jar. Um, just, it's just an incredible tool, I think, uh, especially in fostering mindfulness and gratitude in children, to, to have them kind of fill that jar. There's nothing they love more than collecting. Mm. And so to have them write down one thing every day that was great, one thing that they're really happy about, one thing that they're really proud of that they accomplished, and putting in that jar, um, even if you never went back and read them, and I love the idea of going back and reading them at some point, but even if you never went back and read them, even if it was just a jar that sat out, again, fuller and fuller, day after day, week after week, by the time you got to this time of year, whenever you were dealing with some of the challenges, some of the downswings uh, in mood or, or whatnot, you can just look at that jar and you can think of, it'd be very hard to deny um, how wonderful your year has been when you see all those different sheets of paper in there. So I love that one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure your girls would love it. Um, oh, they definitely it would. Does... They definitely would. <laughs> And I can just see them using, like, a paper that's pink or something that oh, really yeah. appeals sparkles. to little girls. Yeah, sparkles, preferably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I, I certainly am not, uh, I am no stranger to sometimes sadness or melancholy. And I find that, um, you know, and gosh, I mean, having just broken my foot and still not and, and I've had uh I spent an entire night in the in the ER and it was a, a great setup to think oh my god now I mean I I had to cancel I had a singing job for for Christmas I was really looking forward to it had to cancel that cuz there's no way I can travel right now I'm kind of housebound and um but you know I've I'm just I'm really grateful for um having had someone who loves me and cares about me and was able to get me to the hospital, stay with me, make sure that I have everything I need, even though, you know, he has to work and so he's gone. And a lot of times during the day I've literally been been crawling around my apartment because it's really hard on the crutches and getting something from one room to the other, I have to push it on the floor. And that would be, you know, as I'm crawling behind it, literally, um, and you know, if I had the wrong mindset, I would be in misery. But I am f so fortunate to know that I'm not alone. Um, I do have neighbors, and I have, you know, I, I'm not the sort of person that usually reaches out, but I have let people know so that um, 
I can reach out to other people. Um, I've also I'm I'm unbelievably excited that um, I'm going to be able to get a couple of other things. They call it a knee scooter, so I'll be able to get around a little more easily. It has a little basket on the front. I can't wait to get it. And <laughs> something called an eye walker, which is like a peg leg. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but it's going to mean that I can actually maybe change the sheets on my bed myself. I mean, these are the things that this is what gratitude does. It totally changes your way of looking at things. And, yes, I can't do a lot of the things I would normally do around the holidays. But um, rather, you know, I'm realizing, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to do that. And um, if the weather holds up, I'll actually be able to go outside um, with my my new little devices, <laughs> my peg leg and whatever, because um, it's going to be a couple of months till I'm allowed to even use that foot. But, you know, that's that's what gratitude can do. It can make you happy. It can make you excited. Another thing, as I just briefly mentioned, was if you are feeling down around the holidays, reaching out to people, calling people. It's, you know, like even if it's just a phone visit or a Skype visit, it can really lift your energy. And uh, another thing as well, which is linked to that, is laughter. Laughter is one has been proven through research to be one of one of the very effective. Let's put it that way, and a very effective tool in lifting mood and lifting energy. And we can do that in so many ways, whether through going to a movie, watching a movie at home, um, watching cartoons. I love to watch old cartoons from my childhood. It does make me laugh. Some of it is so silly and brings back great memories we can watch old reruns of shows like Seinfeld or something that can just lift our mood and get us away from whatever doldrum we happen to be in and what thoughts are bringing us down and as you and I know Brian thoughts create feelings so um, if we can change our thoughts that is a, a great place to start in in affecting a true change in our mood. Well, I think that's just a, a perfect segue, Jan, <laughs> um, because <laughs> what you were talking about, even with the challenges and how you kind of reframed the challenges that you have with your injury and getting around and using gratitude to to shift your perspective, to change your thoughts about what's going on so that your mood and your emotions will be shifted accordingly, um, I think it was a perfect transition into the importance of contact, human contact, the people in our lives. You, know, you mentioned even being someone who has a challenge in reaching out for help, who, who, who tends not to, uh, can still recognize that that help is there and, and that be, making these people aware of the challenges that you're dealing with, again, it, it, it connects you. It, it makes you feel uh, a sense of support um, even from folks you may not interact with, you know, every single day, um, you know, certainly passing in the hallway, but um, to kind of really to be able to reach out, it's a challenge that a lot of us have, asking for help, asking for support, asking for just an opportunity to connect um, and to spend some quality time with someone. It's, it's, it's not something, unfortunately, that we've been taught growing up to do, to reach out, to connect, uh, just for the sake of doing it. And I think it's a shame because it really is one of the things that um, that will shift our thoughts. Uh, on, by the same token, I think for someone who's dealing with some of the challenges during the holidays of feeling alone, of feeling like 
you know, there, there's not a support system there, that there's not a connection that's easily made. Um, I think one thing that, that often goes overlooked, you'll hear people talk about it a lot, but I think in terms of what it can do for you is to reach out and to offer whatever you have to offer, whether it's working at a soup kitchen or um, signing up with a volunteer group to go Christmas caroling in an underprivileged neighborhood or uh, anything that would allow you to give something back to someone else. You know, you can do adopt a family, which my family has done for a number of years now, and our kids love picking up the gifts for the family that they were that they're going to be receiving these things that they otherwise wouldn't be getting for the holidays. Um, you know, toys for tots. There's just so many ways, but finding finding those that allow you to actually have a connection with a person. So obviously, the toys for tots and the adoptive family may not get you directly there, but these sorts of ideas, these sorts of opportunities, I think, put you in a in a mode of thinking about how you can make someone else's experience of the holidays better. And that alone, that that activity, and ideally that connection with someone else will, in fact, shift your thoughts about what the holidays are all about, the perspective of what it all means, and therefore your emotions will tend to follow. Um, so even when you will spend Christmas, let's say, alone, or um, you know, perhaps you've lost someone recently and it's going to be a, a particularly tough transition into a, your first holiday, for example, without that person around, um, it may seem counterintuitive to shift into a giving mode but if it's something that's going to connect you to people, if it's something that's going to remind you of uh, one of the great things about the holidays that you've spent with a loved one or a pet or whoever, then uh, I think it's it's absolutely something worth considering, even as simply an exercise to try one time, just to see how it feels, um, to to try to deal with some of the challenges that you've mentioned uh, over the course of our hour here. Absolutely, and I love that you brought that up because giving is so important around the holiday. And, you know, another thing that we can do, um, you know, giving to others, I mean, not just giving gifts, but giving of ourselves. Another thing um, that we can do is create a whole new holiday expectation for ourselves. You know, if things aren't the way that we thought they should be or the way that they used to be, we can create a new tradition for ourselves. Like you said, donating our time to, you know, working in a soup kitchen, a kitchen. Uh, say if we don't have our, our family here. So we can start to do, make that our own uh, holiday, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or perhaps even New Year's, but a different way of uh, creating a new tradition for ourselves. Or I love what you said that your family does, and that's wonderful that they do that, that you do that, is the Adopt-A-Family. Um, that's so wonderful. So to make, create new tradition traditions and then have that as something to look forward to every year. My goodness, I get to go back and work with these same people at the soup kitchen. I get to do all of this. This is what Christmas is for me. And it, it may even be more uh, in alignment with what the the true meaning of Christmas is. So, um, you know, working with the church or working with, you know, some sort of uh, group to give to others. So creating that new tradition can be something that we look forward to. Um, you know, as we were we were talking about January, and for some folks January can feel very bleak, you know, between the short days, the winter weather, the um, the holiday hangover, 
the dearth of January holidays, the credit card bills, as we mentioned, as a remnant from our holiday spending, and even, as we also mentioned, the upcoming Valentine's Day holiday if we have no significant other. We've already discussed methods of dealing with our own holiday melancholy and how to turn around our energy, but sometimes it's not us, but someone we care about in our lives who may find the holiday season stressful and sad. So I'm wondering, Brian, what are some ways do you think that we can help others transform their holiday blues? Well, if you're talking about it from the perspective of how, you know, any of us can um, can help out a friend or a loved one or a family member who, who may be experiencing this, um, I think a number of the things that we've talked about so far uh, are, are quite useful in terms of, uh, helping them to shift perspective, finding an activity to spend some time together and to enjoy together in a month where there otherwise isn't a whole lot to maybe look forward to. All, all of these things, I think, can contribute. Um, if you mean it in a sense of how can we individually, each of us or anyone who may be listening to this, how can, how can you take charge of your own situation when you're feeling kind of down in the dumps in January? You're thinking about things like, uh, a tough year ahead at work or a New Year's resolution that you're not so sure about uh, now two weeks into the month of the year. Um, I think it's it's important to appreciate and understand that we're all going to look at January to one extent or another as a time to reset and, and to kind of refocus and recharge toward uh, new goals, whether they be large goals or small. Um, and I think the only way to reliably do this from person to person um, with effectiveness in a way that's going to actually shift our mood, in a way that's going to actually last. Um, I think New Year's resolutions are overblown, for example. But if we mm-hmm. commit to starting one tiny new habit in January, and mm-hmm. particularly a habit that will be uh, about self-care, about self-empowerment, about uh, feeling better or eating better, or um, you know, people often think of exercise and that sort of thing, which can be great, um, I think there's really four components you can you can look to in starting maybe a, a new uh, daily routine. Um, there are there is the psychological kind of mental uh, component of your life. So finding one thing every day that you find intellectually stimulating or challenging. It can be a crossword puzzle. It can be you know, brain games on the computer or, or in a book. Um, but something that you find to be intellectually stimulating, challenging. Even if you spend five, ten minutes a day on that, to do one thing every day that's intellectually stimulating. Um, the second thing is emotional and social. I think we've talked a lot about the emotional and social side of things, but really what you're getting to is the idea of surrounding yourself and putting yourself in situations to interact with people that lift you up, um, to, to, to limit your, your interactions with people who tend to bring you down and tend to have a, you know, a, a, a more... Um, conflict-oriented personality, uh, and, and to shift that time as purposely as you can to reaching out to old friends that you really love spending time with you haven't seen in a long time or haven't spoken to, um, reconnecting um, with, with people from your past that, um, that, that really that tended to build you up. Um, little things like that, one a day. Or reaching out and sending someone a, a, a small gift or a book or a flower or a note that won't expect it. Um, but just one mm. kind act for someone in your life who won't expect it. Um, even if you do it once a week, let alone once a day, you're going to realize an immediate and really powerful benefit to your own mood and to your own well-being and your own outlook on the year. So that's the first two. 
Uh, then there's the physical, um, and that can be anything from your daily, you know, uh, way of eating, the way your your routine in terms of what you eat and when you eat, and um, kind of getting back on track from that perspective. No matter no matter what you're trying to achieve, um, it can be an exercise routine, but one, and I and I stress this especially coming out of the holidays, one that is very very limited at first. You know, something that you just cannot resist doing. Um, there's a there's a, a coach who's written about uh, his one push-up a day. Um, and and he, he tells a story of a guy who committed to doing one push-up a day. He wanted to lose something like 50 or 60 pounds, so quite a bit of weight. And he had tried every diet and he tried every exercise routine. And some of them worked pretty well for a couple of weeks, but he could never stick to it. He would just, it would never, it would drop off at some point. And so someone convinced him to do one push-up a day. Okay, and he said, "How could that possibly change anything?" He's like, don't, just do it, just for the next thirty days, one push-up every day, just one. Hmm. And so, what happens when you do that? Well, first of all, even if you do just the one push-up every day, it's a routine, it's a habit, it's something that you that you always do. And the more you do it, the less you're likely to forget doing it or to put off doing it. And because it's so easy, because it's so simple to do one push-up, you're, you, you you can't rationalize your way out of it as easily as we rationalize our way out of these bigger, <laughs> grander plans. Um, and what happens is, well, you, know, you get down, you do your one push-up, and after the third or fourth day, you're like, well, I'm down here. I'm down here already. I might as well do too, right? And, and it builds on itself, always, every day, no matter how many you've done the day before or the last few days, you only have to do one. Uh, and I think taking whatever goal you have and turning it into that one push-up idea um, just do one. Pick for three weeks or 30 days, however you, however well you work with, with time limitations. Every day do one small thing um, that's physically, you know, strengthening or empowering. Um, and that's the, the, kind of the third component. And the last one, I'm going to forget it now because I've been going <laughs> on. But we had the, we had the, the mental, we had the social-emotional, the physical. Oh, and then I would say uh, the, the, the spiritual side, whether you're a religious person, not religious, um, there's an idea of having an activity, whether it can be a meditation, it can be spending 30 seconds every morning, taking deep breaths, relaxing, and just watching the thoughts that come through your mind, right? Um, people get intimidated by the idea of meditation, but it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour sitting in a certain position doing a certain chant or breathing rhythm. It can really be as simple as stopping what you're doing or before you even starting you start your day, take a moment, take a few deep breaths to clear your mind and then to go forward from there. And again, if it's just 30 seconds a day at first, some days you might go longer, some days you you might go shorter. But if it's a thing you do every day, if it's a habit you can form, uh, it's the sort of thing that's going to turn into quite a bit more and it's going to open your eyes to other opportunities that likely you haven't been seeing um, as you go through your day. So those four things, those four elements of a, of a daily routine or a daily practice I think could really shift uh, out of well, coming out of a holiday hangover or the January doldrums or whatever form you or label you want to put on the things that we've been talking about. Um, focusing on four simple things and taking care of yourself every day will dramatically shift. Uh, I think not only your performance and your attitude and your emotions, um, but also uh, the way in which you're able to interact with and, and impact the people around you. Oh, that's just such brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for that, Brian. Um, just to to add a, just, you know, one or two little things, but, I mean, that's great stuff, is um, 
one, rather than uh, resolutions, because you know every people, as you mentioned, tend to make resolutions. One of the things I know that I'm doing, and that maybe other people might want to do, I don't know, is just make a little, make a bucket list. Not a huge one, but a bucket list. People sometimes don't do that until they they know um, they've got a terminal illness. Well, to be perfectly honest, we're all terminal. I mean, life is. We have a, a life that is not infinite. And so, you know, and look at that list and see what um, we might want to focus on, uh, maybe make happen, and then make, as you and I know, something called an Aim Smart list, a, a plan with little baby steps on how to start to perhaps make, perhaps make something on that list actually come into fruition. And as you mentioned, when we talk about baby steps, sort of like that one push-up, you're starting very small. And over time, you build habits and you move forward. And it's amazing how that works. The other thing, and it's part of that kind of bucket list idea, is um, we don't know. You know, none of us know what other people are going through. We may think we know people, but we don't know um, what really goes on in their minds. And there are a lot of people going through hardships and struggles that that we may not know about. So um, one of the things I know I'm going to do is um, reach out either via a phone call or email and reach out um, to at least one person, hopefully more than that, per week that maybe I don't normally reach out to so that um, you know, I can be in contact with people, and sometimes people, you know, we may not know they need that. They need us. We don't realize how much that can mean to someone else who is going through a tough time, whether the holiday season is stressful or sad or they're dealing with the, you know, some severe winter doldrums or whatever's going on in their lives. So just reaching out, making a point of reaching out, uh, to if we can do one, send an email out every day to somebody, or make a phone call, or whether it's every couple days or once a week. So to try to remember uh, to make that a point to do that can be an incredibly effective way of helping someone else uh, transform their own holiday and winter blues. So. Um, I want to thank you, Brian. I cannot believe the time it has gone by so quickly. This has been such a wonderful and informative show today. And because we're getting close to being out of time, I'd like to thank my very talented and brilliant co-host, Brian Reinthaler, for his insightful participation in today's show. I'd just like to remind our listeners that while the holiday season can be a joyous time full of family and friends, celebrations, parties, traditions, beautiful lights, fun shopping, music, and memories. For some, it can evoke great sadness, stress, and melancholy. There are many causes for this, and even if you're not someone who experiences holiday blues, please be aware that there are many people for whom holidays can be a time of sadness. I hope that our discussion and the tactics we provided today will offer some ideas to help either you or the loved ones in your life who may find this season challenging. I'm Jan Jaffe of Forward to Success, 
and it has been my privilege to have been your host today. I would like to offer our listeners a free 30-minute consultation and discovery session. And for more information, please feel free to email me at info at forwardtosuccess.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at forwardtosuccess.com. I also want to remind our listeners that you're invited to share any comments or feedback on our website, www.lifecoachradionetworks.com. I have my own solo interview show, Your Best Life, on the second Wednesday of every month at 12 noon Eastern on this, the Life Coach Radio Network. I would be delighted if you would tune in at 12 p.m. Eastern, that's 12 noon, on Wednesday, January 13th, when I will be interviewing iconic dating and entrepreneurial coach Marnie Batista. This is, uh, I'm very excited to be interviewing Marnie, so please do tune in for that show on Wednesday, January 13th at 12 noon Eastern. And now I'd like to ask my co-host to share any closing thoughts and contact information. Brian. Yes, Jen. Th- thank you so much again for having me on. This has been such an enjoyable conversation. Uh, I hope that uh, our listeners um, were able to pull a few uh, ideas and, and tips out of it, either for themselves or, or the people they care about in the holiday season. And uh, really, my closing thoughts are just to wish everyone a, a happy and mindful uh, Christmas and, and holiday season. Uh, remember to enjoy the moments that you do have whether they be the holidays themselves um, or, or the days in between. And you can, uh, you can contact me. One of the topics we didn't quite get into was the, uh, the career-oriented uh, aspects of this time of year, evaluations and transitions and whatnot. Um, mm. And if you would like to explore uh, the experience that you're having, either as a New York City or other uh, big city lawyer, uh, or if you know one uh, who's dealing with career uh, transition issues um, and would like to make a, a really actionable plan for the future, you can find me uh, on my website. Uh, contact me there at atgcoach.com. Uh, and my email address is just my first name, Brian with an I, B-R-I-A-N, at atgcoach.com. But uh, thanks again, Jen, for having me. Oh, thank you, Brian. It has been an absolute delight. I want to uh, remind our listeners that for all the hosts, for both of us, contact and bio information is listed in the show description. So if you weren't able to write something down now, you can just find it there on the show page uh, right where you have clicked in to hear the show. So I'm just going to take a moment to announce a few of our upcoming shows. On this, the Life Coach Radio Network, on December 26th at 10 a.m., Reveal Your Excellence, with the on-camera coach, Renee Ellison. And on December 29th at 1 p.m., Lessons from a Corporate Leader and Speaker. And on our sister network, the Life Coach Chat Channel, on December 27th at 9 p.m., The Envelope Resolutions. And on December 28th at 7 p.m., Life Talks with Natasha Gaydon, No Longer the Face of Violence domestic violence. So I, again, want to thank my wonderful and special co-host, Brian Reinthaler, for joining me today and making this show a very special one. And from both of us to all of you, wishing everyone 
a very happy and joyous Christmas, Kwanzaa, and New Year. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.